live from the District of Columbia. You're listening to the Black Fundraisers Podcast, a weekly podcast that celebrates, inspires, and equips black fundraisers to excel and positively impact black communities. With your host, Kia Kroon. Good day, good people. My name is Kia Kroon, and I am your host of the 100 Black Fundraisers Strat Talks, your weekly podcast that celebrates, inspires, and equips Black fundraisers to excel and to positively impact their communities. And I am thrilled to be on your screen today. You could be anywhere in the world in these internet streets and you're choosing to hang out with me. So I thoroughly, thoroughly appreciate that. If this is your first time hanging out with me here, welcome and do come back. And if you're back again, thanks for rocking out with me one more again. Today, we are talking about Something that is the topic of much conversation these days, and that is the topic of racial bias in the workplace and how it shows up, particularly how it impacts Black fundraisers working inside nonprofit agencies in which they are the minority, and even cases where they are not. What's interesting about this whole situation here is that Even though you have Black fundraisers working inside of organizations that have Black Black constituents in underserved communities like D.C., Baltimore, Los Angeles, my home city of Oakland, while we may find ourselves a minority inside these organizations that generate revenue and make a difference in underserved communities, The fact that we're experiencing microaggressions and racist tropes and character assaults on the regular, it's damaging. And having experienced that myself, I found myself kind of sitting and looking a little crazy, like, okay, am I reading too much into this? Am I being overly sensitive? No, you're not. Racism is real and it kills. So today we're going to address the elephant in the room of racial bias, how it shows up, and ways that we as Black fundraisers can make our voices heard and confront it when it rears its ugly head. So it's my honor to have on with me today a very special dear friend. Her name is Dr. Alana Simmons. She will be joining us. I can tell you that she has personally talked me off plenty of ledges and provided me with guidance and support and just helped me to kind of woo-saw through some really, really difficult moments. And it's my honor to present her to you. I want to tell you just a little bit about her before I bring her to the virtual stage. Dr. Alana Simmons is the Gear Up Director for the Daugherty County School System in Georgia. She is a lecturer in the School of Business, Economics, and Technology at King University. She's a researcher and instructor, presenter on a variety of topics like intersectionality and tips for developing diversity initiatives within your workplace. I got to tell you, I'm just wowed by this woman and 
um, you know, what she does for the culture and for the community, she's pretty amazing. And she is one of the many Black women that we're indebted to that mobilized and energized the Black vote, leading to historic Democratic victories in Georgia and even with the recent presidential election. I can tell you she spent her entire summer organizing socially distanced voter registration drives in her rural hometown uh, in South Georgia. In the words of Nipsey Hussle, she's been 10 toes down in the movement and through the entire election season. And like I said, she's worked with me as I traversed through some really toxic work environments and always encouraged me personally to show up and be my strongest self-advocate. So it's my pleasure to bring her to the virtual stage. Welcome to the virtual stage of the Black Fundraiser Strat Talks podcast, Dr. Alana Simmons. Hey. Hey. Dr. Alana Simmons, tell the good people listening a little bit about yourself. And I've doted on you and how wonderful of a uh, friend you've been over the years and confident and how you've talked to me off many alleges. You know, I've had to run some emails by this sister like, okay, I'm saying this like this and okay, that might not be the best way to say that. (laughs) Uh, So I've told the good people about you and how you are one of the many women that society owes Black women. We owe you for the Herculean effort you undertook in organizing and mobilizing the Black vote in your hometown, in your home state of Georgia. So um, you tell the good people listening what you want to tell them about them. I already told them what I wanted to tell them about. (laughs) Um, Well, first and foremost, if you can't pick it up already, I am from the South, this beautiful Southern drawl. I'm uh, a native of Thomasville, Georgia, raised in Albany, Georgia, uh, currently serving as the gear up director with the Doherty County School System here in Albany. Our program is federally funded and we work to ensure that our cohort of students are prepared uh, for education beyond high school. In addition to that, I serve as a lecturer of business in the School of Business, Economic and Economics and Technology at King University in Bristol, Tennessee. I serve here on uh, two board, board of direct, I serve as a board member here, um, two uh, boards with Liberty House, which is a domestic violence organization, as well as Sawiga Rising, which works on numerous things in our community, but primarily to engage and educate and inform citizens and to help them make change here in the community. Done a number of talks uh, around uh, racial bias and intersectionality. Uh, Prior to moving back here to Georgia, I served as the sexual violence prevention coordinator at a PWI, a a primarily white institution in Southwest Virginia. And I also have some prison experience. I like to say it that way, but my experience was not as a resident, uh, but that as a correctional educator. And the most important thing about me, I'm a mom, a single mom of a teenager, so... Prayers are always appreciated. And welcome. So thank you for sharing, Dr. Simmons. I've already given the teaser. I've told the good people listening what we're talking about. We're talking about racial bias. And while we are all smiles and basking in our glory and melanin, it's not a laughing matter. It's serious and it's very, very damaging. 
and it's really gets in the way of the work. And the reason I thought it was so important to discuss this as a black fundraiser, as a resource procurement person who's on the front lines raising millions of dollars to address social issues, I ain't got time. You know, there's work to do, there's kids in need, there's all kinds of folks in need, and it's compounded with the pandemic and gets in the way of the work. It makes the work complicated for us. It pulls us down, it wears on us. So let's go ahead and get into it. When you think about racial bias and, and how it's shown up, how it's reared its ugly head throughout your careers, what are some ways that it's impacted you? The one that comes to mind right now is just because I had a phone call with someone who uh, I previously worked with. When I went to work in Virginia uh, with the Department of Corrections, I had an in-person interview with the folks who would be supervising me from Richmond, but I worked out in Southwest Virginia. And so I had to make those, uh, build those relationships with the folks who worked at the facility where my office would be housed. And so, you know, I took it upon myself before I went to the facility, I called. I wanted to talk with the principal, kind of get the lay of the land, learn more about the culture there, things I needed to bring with me to be prepared for my first day. And we had a wonderful conversation. We spoke for about 30, 40 minutes. And a couple of days later, when I showed up at the facility, that was the person I asked to speak with, the principal, because we had built this lovely relationship over the phone. And he looks me up and down and he's like, you're not Alana Simmons. I can assure you that's that's who I am. What do you mean? And he looked at me again and he kind of turned his head and he said, well, you didn't sound black on the phone. Oh, well, pray tell. What do black people sound like? Educate me as a Black person so I can know what Black people sound like or should sound like. And, and I mean, the color just drained from his face, right? Because he's embarrassed. He doesn't know what to say. And the first thing out of his mouth was, well, I can see now you're going to be a challenge. Tell me how. You made an assumption of my, of my race, my ethnicity over the phone, and now you're disappointed that I don't meet the standard that you were expecting. You know, I'm, I'm excited to get to work. We just need to move past this. But you need to know that those are things that you can't say to people. And he was just so upset. And, well, you're hurting my feelings. No, you hurt my feelings. You know, you said something that was inappropriate. It was unprofessional. And it's socially, it's deemed socially acceptable white supremacy. You know, people think of white supremacy as just burning crosses and the Nazis and the KKK and saying the N-word. No, there are all of these other subliminal things that constitute socially acceptable white supremacy. And I told him, sir, that's the field in which you have fallen. Now, I'm happy to um, direct you to some resources, but what we're not going to do is to think that this is okay. And so we had a really rocky start to our relationship there at work. And by the time I left, it, it, it gotten even worse because again, I continue to check the behavior. You're not going to say these things and think that it's okay. I don't care how many black people you have in your life. I don't care how close or how proximate you think you are to the black community. You're not the black community. And this black community member is gonna hold you accountable for it. Good, kudos to you for doing that because it takes a tremendous amount of courage to check that inappropriate racist B 
behavior at the door. It takes a lot of courage to do that. Kudos to you. And you've watched me fundraise over the last 17 years, right? And I know that I've been deeply, deeply wounded. And just like I've been wounded by racially biased assaults on my character in workplaces over the years, it's been, it's been many. There are other Black fundraisers listening right now that are grappling with, you know, how do I, how do, I do that? Or even just the haze, the feeling that you experience when you're thinking to yourself, and I mentioned this a little bit earlier, Okay, am I reading more into this? Because clearly, you know, this gentleman showed his hand when he had this conversation with you. Sometimes it can be more subtle. And I found myself sitting looking kind of crazy, like, okay, am I reading more into this? Is this really happening? Is this a figment of my imagination? And just working through those feelings is tenuous enough and painstaking enough. And couple that with the fact that when you have encounters like this and they're, and they're coming, the feeling is though your dignity is being stripped away. The feeling is though you clearly, you know, asserted yourself and, and checked this behavior. I mean, it didn't necessarily stop it as you saw, right? Um, it continued right. and you had to, it sounds like you had to commit to that process. What would you say to a Black fundraiser or a Black person in any um, work environment that doesn't believe they have the agency and the voice and the strength to speak out, what advice would you give them to help them to find their voice and use it? The first thing I would say is that we all have to educate ourselves on what racism is, right? So it's, it's a two-part definition. So first, to be racist, you have to hold some sort of prejudice against a group of people because of the color of their skin. We all hold that. There's, there's no escaping that. The second part of racism is being that because of this prejudice, you have implemented systems or structures to formally oppress this group of people. So you think about the ways in which Black folks have been kept from voting have been kept out of particular communities, have been kept out of schools. I mean, have been kept from drinking out of water fountains and using the bathrooms. That is what racism looks like. This term of reverse racism where white people will say, well, you're being racist. No, I'm checking you on something that you said to me that was out of order. I don't have the ability to be racist because I don't see a group of black people out here keeping any other group of folks from those things that I mentioned. We're not keeping folks out of bathrooms and restrooms. I've never kept anyone or black people haven't kept anyone from voting, from employment, from an educate or from education. So we first have to educate ourselves on what is racism. Right. And so you think about, you know, on a spectrum of what you feel comfortable doing in the workplace or in your community. Do you just want to make a notation of what you've seen, what you've observed and just write it down? That's OK, because some folks just don't have that ability to say, I want to speak up. They're not there yet. And that's okay. For others like myself, I'm going to go ham. I'm going to go wild. If you say something out of order to me, to my child, to someone who looks like me, I am going to check that behavior. It's just, I don't know if it was the way that I was raised. Is I don't, I don't know if it's what I've seen on TV. And it could be what, I, what we've all seen in videos happening to Black and Brown people across this country where I'm at a point I'm tired. 
y'all were sitting out here burning down houses and blowing up churches. Why are you you mad at me? Because I'm speaking up and I'm telling you, I don't like it. So I would encourage folks, if there's something that you've observed, you've seen it, you've heard it, you think about your comfort level, whether it's writing it, making a notation of it in your notebook, whether it's telling a trusted friend or family member, telling your supervisor, even if you need to talk to your supervisor, send them an email, be comfortable in whatever approach that you want to take. If you want to go out here in these streets and protest, Do what you need to do. I will tell you to be safe. Don't do anything to put yourself in harm's way, but it's what keeps you going. Continue to speak up because I can assure you that there is someone in the corner standing back thinking, I'm so glad that I've got someone like this to speak up for me because I'm afraid to do it or I don't know how to do it. No, that's good. That's that's good advice. Good, good counsel. When I think back over my career and acknowledge that I've worked in some toxic workplaces and pushed through because as Black people, particularly Black women, we're known for pushing through and you you keep going, you keep going. Um, We have this resilience about ourselves. And sometimes I wonder when I think back, was I pushing through environments and situations that I had no business really pushing through when I thought about what the real cost of pushing through was for me? The emotional roller coaster, the torment that I endured, wanting to avoid making waves and making a whole lot of fuss allowing things to weigh on me and beat me down for so long. There's something really, really dangerous about that. So I'd like for you to take a moment and talk to the good people listening about the dangers of that mentality and the importance of self-advocacy. I will say that in thinking about the pain that Black women have been forced to endure, right? When you think back to the modern day OBGYN physician, I can't think of the name right now. I know it's Marion. Um, Thinking about the ways in which he took enslaved women and perfected his techniques um, for the OBGYN field without consent, without anesthesia. And so there's this premise in this country that Black women can withstand more pain. You know, they're not in pain. They're just fiending for drugs. They're just complaining. No, there's pain involved. If you cut your finger, if you get a paper cut, it's going to hurt. If you burn your finger while cooking, it's going to hurt. You know, if you if you stub your toe on a bedpost, it's going to hurt. And so folks need to know that pain is real. And just because, you know, we got this black girl magic, it doesn't mean that we don't hurt. And so just knowing that black women are, are dying at early ages, right? We're dying early because we're pouring into everyone else. We're taking care of our parents, of our partners, of our children, of neighborhood kids. We're taking care of all of these folks and we don't take care of ourselves. So to the sisters out there, you gotta do you. You gotta treat yourself, whether it's reading a book, listening to a podcast like this podcast, um, whether it's drinking wine, going to a brewery, you know, making a charcuterie board, planting, riding a bike, whatever that looks like to you, whatever makes you feel good, even if it's turning off social media, turning off your ringer, you do that. 
Don't let anyone tell you that you have to endure pain because pain hurts. And I can assure you that if white women were enduring the level of pain that black women are currently in enduring, that there would be federal legislation. Women would be working from home more, maternity leave would be expanded. Don't sit up here and allow these folks to drive you insane and have your blood pressure up because these organizations would sooner replace you as soon as your obituary is posted. Sure. Don't leave your family before it's time. Take yourself a mental health day. I take about two or three a month because it's important <laughs> that I maintain my mental health. So I'm not right. even trying to box people in the face or my blood pressure is high. You got to take care of yourself. Take care of yourself. And we'll get into, uh, as part of our bonus questions, um, a little look at self-care and what that looks like. Uh, oh, this is, this is good. This is good. This is good. I'm hoping that the good people listening get some really good value from hearing from you, some inspiration and, and see a path forward, whatever they're in, right? I'm, I want to I dive into something that um, has become quite a buzzword since the whole racial reckoning that we witnessed before our very eyes in the wake of the George Floyd killing. And that's this notion of allyship. And I've literally had white people to come to me and say things like, Kia, I want to be an ally. I won't be a bystander to assaults on my Black counterparts. I'm standing up. I want to use my privilege and my voice to advocate. So my question to you is, what does effective allyship in the workplace look like for non-Blacks, particularly whites, who say that they want to be an ally? Well, I want to encourage us to move beyond what allyship is. You know, you think about allyship. Imagine that you're standing on a street corner and you're watching two dogs fighting. They're in the middle of the street. There's traffic coming and we're just standing there. We're just chit chatting. We're pulling out our phones and we're videoing these two dogs fight. I need an accomplice. I need somebody to walk across the street with me when it's safe. I need us to call these dogs to attention, pull them apart. So that one, they don't kill each other. And two, they don't get killed in traffic. So to our non-Black folks, I want you, if you hear something, if you see something, I want you to check it right then and there. Don't run to my office and tell me, hey, girl, you won't believe what Jan said at the water fountain. Okay, I'm not surprised by what Jan said, but you're sitting up here talking about you want to be an anti-racist person. Why are you bringing it to me? I expect you to check Jan. Don't bring it to me. I expect Jan to walk through here and say, you know what, Alana? Cindy heard me say something that was inappropriate and she checked me on it. And, you know, what can I do? I want to find some more resources. I want to do right. I don't I don't want to get caught seeing anything or I don't want to say them at all. You know, don't go and tell me what so-and-so said. Tell me what you did. Because don't I, I don't need to be expected to do all of this labor. I'm already performing labor from my organization. And at times I don't think I'm compensated enough. I'm not about to get out here in these streets or in the break room and, and get engaged in more labor for free. That's a word. That's a real word. Run and tell that. Right. <laughs> so this has been really, really great. Um, I think that I'm feeling some catharsis myself, you know, just having had this conversation with you. 
And for the good people listening, that is our goal with the Black Fundraiser Strat Talks podcast is to bring value and real resolutions and things that you can do right now to help you excel in your role. And whether that's emotionally, psychologically, or tactically in the way of strategy um, in your role, in your positions, because we've got such mission critical work to do. I want to shift gears here for a moment and you talk about a couple of a couple of fun things. Um, and, and by the way, I first and foremost want to thank you for all that you brought to today's discussion. I know that our listeners will get value, but I want to shift gears a little bit here with La Corona still wreaking havoc and her ugly head. And I'm, I am calling La Corona ugly because she is. I don't, I don't like it. I don't, I'm, I'm not I don't like it. You know, that's I want fair, to that's fair. What are you doing for self-care these days? Uh, the better question would probably be, what am I not doing? So there are a lot of Black influencers, female influencers who I follow on social media. So I'm reading a lot. I'm doing a lot of uh, shopping with Black businesses. Um, I exercise six or seven days a week. Love my wine. I, I you know, I'm, I'm not an alcoholic, but I love to enjoy some libations here and there. Hey. And every now and then, you know, I'll, I'll get Hulu or Netflix wasted again because I'm engaging in a lot of labor and I just need some downtime and just to celebrate and focus on me. That's awesome. The self-care is the key. Very, very important. What's on your playlist these days? What are you listening to when you're not Netflix you. and Hulu binging? Um, so most recently, I downloaded the soundtrack from um, Hulu's The United States versus Billie Holiday, in which Andrew Day, who's now a Golden Globe winner, portrayed the singer Billie Holiday and also sang. She, you know, re- remade all of Billie Holiday's songs that were um uh, seen in the movie. And so that's what I've been listening to. More importantly, it's the specific song that I've been listening to. It's haunting and it's dark and it's prolific and it's called Strange Fruit. Yes. Um, just, just reading the lyrics online will bring tears to your eyes. It, I mean, it pained me. It hurt my chest to read the lyrics, but even more to hear not only Billie Holiday sing it, but also Andrew Day sing it. Wow. Right. Talk and so I've just I've just been into that soundtrack in the in the past couple of days. I'm gonna have to check that out. And I actually saw the I, I saw this particular film come up in my, you know how you're scrolling in movies or uh, films and such and documentaries are suggested to you. And I remember thinking, okay, I'm gonna check this out. Right. So I too um, will check that out and take a listen. Yeah, we, we all need to watch that movie. Um, you know, if you don't have Hulu, sign up for the seven-day trial and cancel it. Um, find a friend who will host a watch <laughs> party. You know, because we all think of, of Billie Holiday as Lady Sings the Blues as portrayed yes. by Diana Ross. But in this movie, and I don't want to give too much away, it talks about how singing the song Strange Fruit annoyed and irritated the federal government. And they went to the lengths of persecuting this woman for singing this song about lynching because they thought it would cause a riot. And just the fact, just the things that they did to her, the folks that they paid to infiltrate her circle, 
and to set her up, it is absolutely disturbing, but it's something that we need to know because I didn't know these things about Billie Holiday. And I thought that I was, you know, well-educated on a lot of things, including the civil rights movement. And to know that she sang this song first in 1939, you know, it predates the civil rights movement or the modern day civil rights movement that we think of. And to know that this song just irritated the government so much, you know, rather than thinking about not lynching folks, right? Don't lynch black people. Let's persecute the woman who's singing the song about us lynching black people. It's 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 a disturbing, disturbing thought to know this is what the federal government has spent money doing. And they continue to do that today. Yeah, I'm going to get into that one. That's on uh, my list of of weekend binge work. You know, I will check that out. No, thank you for that recommendation. And before we before we get out of here, you know, this is Women's History Month. And we stand on the shoulders of so many powerful, prolific, resilient, powerhouse, kick butt black women. Right. You know, women, women of all races. But I particularly get my I'm getting my inspiration these days from. VP. Kamala Harris, who is from my hometown of Oakland, Oakland Stand Up. I get inspiration and encouragement by Queen Stacey Abrams. The fight, the grit, you know, what she was able to do, what she's done, how she turned tropes and pain into the ultimate victory, the ultimate revenge. Her documentary, All In, is so dope um, and, and so enlightening. I encourage people to check that out on, was it on Prime? I think it's on Prime. Who are you getting your inspiration from? Um, who, who inspires you? You actually already said her name. It is Stacey Abrams, right? Oh. Right here in the state of Georgia. That, that loss that she suffered at the hands of the then sitting Secretary of State who was involved in his own election you know, she didn't let that throw her down to the ground. She got her feet wet. She went out here and she found some accomplices. She wasn't looking for allies. She found some accomplices um, in women and men and non-binary folks to say, hey, we need to do something here. We have an opportunity. Let's get into it. She didn't want folks just standing on the sidelines. She wanted folks out here in these COVID streets, making sure that we were getting folks registered making sure folks knew where to go to uh, place their vote, making sure we knew about absentee voting, um, just all of that. And I mean, she's just a strong, she's a powerhouse. Powerhouse. She doesn't bite her tongue. She doesn't mince words. And, you know, I'm, I'm looking forward to the day where I can call her Madam Governor. Yes, speak on it. At, at, a, at a minimum, I want to call her Madam Governor. You know, if she wants to ascend uh, to 1600 Pennsylvania Avenue, I'll support her in that too, Um, but she's earned her place. And just to hear her tell her story and to know that she suffered a loss, but this is how she, she's a comeback kid and I love it. I'm here for it. Well, I sure appreciate you taking the time to hang out with us. Oh, before we get out of here, how can people connect with you? So you can find me on Twitter or Instagram and it's a Simmons underscore PhD and come hang out and watch my content. You know, I'm snarky. I don't mince words. Sometimes I'm funny, 
And I will hold people accountable for language. So, you know, if you say something that's out of order and you're trying to be funny or you don't know any better, you will know better uh, by the end of the conversation. So you'll know better and hopefully do better, won't you? Hopefully. Hopefully. Well, I sure appreciate you, my friend, uh, confident sister in the struggle, in the movement. We love you. Our good, good folks listening. I know that this resonated strongly with them. And I just want to say to the good folks listening, have a wonderful week. Don't let anybody, like, like Diddy said, don't let nobody hold you down. Get it done. Find your inspiration. Get you some self-care. And until next time, stay tuned, stay down, and keep your head up. And thanks for hanging out with us at the Black Fundraisers. Strat Talks podcast. Be well. Thanks, y'all. Bye-bye. Thanks for listening to the Black Fundraisers podcast. Like what you're hearing? Subscribe to the Black Fundraisers podcast on Apple Podcast, Spotify, or wherever you listen, and leave a five-star review. Connect with Kia on LinkedIn, Instagram, and Twitter to stay connected.